Good morning, Summit Bible Church. You're going to have to please excuse me if I'm a little nervous. Um, I know that some of you guys have already heard my testimony before, so if you have, I ask you to just bear, please bear with me. And I'd like to just start by reading a couple of verses from Scripture out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses uh, 18 and 19. And the word of the Lord says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So I'm going to begin by giving us a little bit of background about my life and, you know, my personal testimony. I, um, I grew up, I'm the second of four children. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, going to church as a little kid every week with both my parents. Uh, when I was 14 years old, my mother passed away from cancer. Uh, that was a very important turning point for me in my life as my father was trying to take care of uh, four teenage kids and provide for the home and I didn't have much supervision at home. Um, as a result, I started uh, becoming truant in school. I didn't know how to deal with the loss of my mother's, uh, excuse me, the pain of my mother's loss. I began uh, abusing substances. I started engaging in unlawful behavior promiscuous behavior and also started in uh, hanging around with, with gang members. And by the time I was 14, I was incarcerated for the first time and it's a pattern that would continue on until the time that I was 19. Uh, by the time that I was 19 years old, my life had definitely spun out of control. I was uh, drinking and using uh, drugs daily. I had a pretty lengthy rap sheet by this time. I was still involved in street gangs and sexual immorality. Uh, and my criminal behavior was progressing in both frequency and also in degree. I was uh, in and out of jail. And it was culminated in January of 1998 when I was 19 years old. I was arrested and three counts of attempted murder. I was uh, convicted. And as a 19-year-old kid, I was sentenced to 34 years to life in state prison. Uh, it was in October of 1998 that I went to prison. And I really had no hope of ever seeing the streets again. And so I embraced the prison culture and the prison lifestyle. I began involving myself with prison gangs, uh, involving in violence, introducing contraband into the facilities, and I was in and out of administrative segregation because I had a you know, failing to follow the rules. So, uh, by 2006, I was really feeling the inevitable consequences of my sinful and my immoral lifestyle. I was uh, deeply depressed. I was disillusioned with life. And really the only thing that I had to look forward to is if I was lucky, best case scenario for me is I would die an old man by myself in prison. But the worst part of all of that was having to deal with the guilt and the regret that I had nobody to blame but myself. This is not something that somebody did to me. This is something that I made by the continuous poor choices that I made in my life. But it was at that time that the Lord in his, in his providence, he brought two men into my life, one of them by the name of Albert and the other one by the name of Thomas. Now, these two individuals, they began sharing the gospel with my next door neighbor, a man that I'll never forget. His name is Timothy Pickock. Now, by this point, 2006, this man had been in prison for 35 years for a double murder. 
and he had life, life without parole, so he for sure was never going to get out of prison. So when Albert and Thomas began sharing the gospel with Timothy, Timothy was pretty much threatened them with life, with, their, with death. He said that if you guys ever come up to me with this Jesus stuff again, I'm going to kill you. And there was zero doubt in my mind that when I, I saw that, that he, he meant exactly what he said. But nevertheless, uh, the Lord, you know, he started working in this man Timothy's life. And one day, Timothy just went up to these two men and he took a Bible from them. He said, I'm going to read this and I'm going to show to you guys that what you guys are telling me or teaching people is a lie. But sure enough, you know, by the time Timothy started reading the gospel, the Lord, you know, by spirit convicted him and regenerated him and he was born again. Now, I know that I will never see a, a transformation like that of Saul, you know, when the Lord converted him on the road to Damascus. But the transformation that the Lord did in this man's life in such a short period of time is as close as I believe I will ever see. <coughs> Timothy, his demeanor literally changed overnight. He was a man who was very bitter, very angry and depressed, but just like overnight when he was born again, there was a genuine joy in his life. He became extremely happy and he was so eager to share the gospel with people, the gospel that he once like literally threatened to kill two individuals for sharing it with him, with everybody. So much so that he was a very intimidating figure and he changed his hairstyle, shaved his, his full man chew just so he can, you know, people wouldn't be as, uh, scared of him so he'd be able to go up there and share the gospel with them. And so seeing this man's transformation um, in his life, I was like, wow, you know, whatever the Lord did to, for that man, that's what I needed. And so I started talking to Albert and Timothy, and they started sharing the gospel with me. And like I said, I grew up in a church, and so I grew up listening to the gospel my whole life. But it wasn't until these men started sharing with me that the Lord, through his spirit, really started pricking my heart and my conscience and convicting me of my own personal sin. And I quickly learned that the consequences that I was suffering at that time as a result of my sinful lifestyle were, were nothing in reality when I compared them to the eternal damnation in hell that I deserve for living a life sinning against the Holy God. But most importantly, what I learned you know, through these two individuals is that in Christ, God had provided a perfect substitute and a savior who made atonement for guilty sinners like me. And that through faith in him, I could have forgiveness of my sins in a righteous standing with that holy God that I had spent my whole life offending. And so it was on May 24, 2007, that by his grace, God opened my eyes to see the glory of Christ and the gospel of his son. And I entrusted my life to Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, I wish I could tell you guys that my conversion was as dramatic as Tim's, Brother Timothy. It wasn't. You know, I still struggled with sin. I still struggled with pride, anger, man-pleasing. But nevertheless, the Lord started working in my life and providentially took me to a different prison because I, I, there was really nobody for me to have like, any good, genuine fellowship with. And, but the Lord took care of that for me. He transferred me to Corcoran State Prison in 2009. And that's where I met some really good sound brothers who introduced me to good sound preaching and teaching. And so the, that's where my spiritual growth uh, started to really come about. I started, you know, learning about sound doctrine, sound, like, like I said, sound preachers. And so that's kind of like what, you know, it was very uh, another turning point for me in my life. Uh, 
And in 2016, you know, things started changing in the judicial system where the law started changing, where youth offenders, juvenile offenders, what they considered them, you know, they started giving them a second opportunity at life, but you had to put in a certain percentage of, you know, prison time of, of your sentence before, you know, you could be considered for release. And because due to the lengthy sentence that I had, uh, I had to wait until 2022, which was in July. And in July of uh, 2022, I went before the Board of Parole hearings. And the Lord granted me a second opportunity. I had to wait a second, you know, I had to wait a little while, you know, for the process to complete through. But in that time, the Lord put me in contact with Pastor Morgan, who put me in contact with Brother Isaac. And, and I knew how important and how vital it was for me to get plugged into a local church right away. And by the grace of God, he directed my paths here. And it was uh, literally uh, yesterday to the day, it's been one year that I've been released from prison. And a couple of days from now, it'll be a year that I've been attending some Bible church. And I'm, uh, that is something for which I'm, I'm extremely grateful. You know, and that's, you know, I really, I'm really grateful for the, you know, the, the family here that from the beginning, nobody ever judged me, everybody accepted me and embraced me with open arms. And, and it's something for which I really, really am grateful. And I really, really thank God for someone. You know, thank the brothers here for the opportunity to share my testimony with you guys. It's not as exciting, but it is what it is. <laughs> so God bless. Good morning, everyone. My name is Michael. And this is my testimony. When I was young, I grew up in a broken home. My dad was in jail right when I was born, and my mom was negligent. Uh, my mom had a boyfriend that was the closest thing I had to a dad, and uh, that relationship didn't work out. My dad eventually got out of jail, but he came out with the, the gangster mentality, and he didn't want anything to do with me. He denied me as his son, and uh, right after that, my mom met another guy who ended up being an alcoholic, which uh, made him very angry and all kinds of abusive. I witnessed a lot of dysfunction and I dealt with a lot of traumatic experiences alone. I had often wondered why God would let me go through this. I would look at other people's lives and be jealous of their happy and whole families. I turned to drugs and alcohol in high school to deal with the bitterness and anger inside. I felt that God was personally hurting me and I blamed him for everything that went wrong. After high school, I was still doing drugs and drinking still bitter and angry, except now I had a girlfriend who was now my wife. We eventually had a baby girl, and I ended up creating a similar home life for my family like I grew up with. <clears throat> uh, I created the dysfunction in my family. I had all the examples of what not to do, and I did the same mistakes. After high school, um, yeah, I'm sorry. This led me to the lowest point of my life. I hit rock bottom in 2021. I remember the day, it was July 12th, and uh, I was in my bedroom, I was just so miserable. And I tried everything in my own power to stop being depressed, but I couldn't do it. I was ready to end my life. I felt in the moment, the one thing I hadn't done yet was pray to God. And so I prayed, God, if you are real, be with me, because I'm scared and I don't know what to do. And in that moment, I just felt a sense of peace. I felt like God's presence was with me even though I was living in sin. I had a sense to search for God and I started listening to Bible podcasts. 
And some of it was false teaching, like prosperity gospel preaching. But some of it was good. And one day I was listening to K-Wave, and they were talking about how people can spend hours a week on Facebook or watching movies, but they can't go to church for an hour. And that convicted me all week. And the following Saturday, me and my family were at the Victoria Gardens, and uh, me and my wife were watching Lucy on the little train, and I told her, hey, I heard this thing on the radio. Why can't we go to church for an hour a week? And literally right after I said those words, the Nelsons walked up to us and invited us to Summit Bible Church. <laughs> I was so amazed. I don't believe in coincidence anymore. It was God's providence. We arrived at Summit and met people who loved us and encouraged us. We had gone through the discipleship lessons where we learned the true gospel, that we were dead in our sins and in desperate need of a savior. And God being rich in mercy and love makes us alive in Christ. We were taught about the true nature of Christ's sacrifice on that cross. He took our place on the cross and suffered our punishment that he didn't deserve so that we would be forgiven our sins. His death and resurrection frees us from the bondage of sin. From the discipleship lessons, we learned that we needed to repent of our sins and believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. The first year we were at Summit, we were very shy and reserved. We were Sunday-only people. We would get in and get out. The Lord had opened our eyes that we needed to get connected with other brothers and sisters. We were encouraged to get more involved in the growth groups and the many opportunities for fellowship outside the Sunday service. Seeing God's work in the other brothers' lives really lit a fire in my heart to also pursue Christ-likeness. The Lord placed a deep hunger for his word in me, where once I was addicted to evil, he would now give me a passion for him and his word. I thank God for all the work he has done here at Summit, for all the faithful disciples that led us to Christ, and how he has used all of you to both convict and encourage us in many ways to give Christ our best in our walk with him. I am thankful for this family in Christ that we have. And I would also like to personally give everybody a thank you for the truck fire and everybody that helped us with that. That was a true blessing right there. And honestly, that was a, a real faith building moment just because I was already struggling and, and just suffering. And that was really a faith building moment for me. I, I appreciate everything everybody did for that. And I would like to encourage everyone to be more than just a Sunday goer, but to get involved in the fellowship opportunities provided here at Summit. We need each other to sanctify each other so that we can become more Christ-like. We can't do it alone. Thank you. Amen. God is good, isn't he? Yes. The amazing grace of God does an amazing work in the lives of those he transforms. And we just heard two amazing testimonies of God's grace transforming these two brothers, taking them out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. And uh, it's so good for us to be reminded of God's grace. It's so good for us to be reminded of who we all once were. And uh, you may be listening to these brothers and think, man, that is amazing. An amazing testimony of amazing transformation. And it is. Praise God. But each and every one of our testimonies, if we're saved by grace, is truly just as amazing. Every single one of us were once enslaved to our various passions and sins of different varieties. And God intervened. God intervened. He opened our eyes to see the grace of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he opened our eyes to receive him by faith. There's nothing we can do as these brothers said, to earn salvation, but it is only by God's grace and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that can save us from sin. Every single one of us have been transformed. Every single one of us have been saved by grace, if you are in Christ. 
And so it's something to be regularly thankful about, isn't it? Amen? I mean, we shouldn't just be thanking God for our salvation at Thanksgiving time. But we are to always give thanks for the work of Christ in our lives. In fact, in the book of Colossians, uh, Paul writes to the church in Colossae. He says, so from day to day we, we heard and we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, you being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, and then always giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Every single one of us who stands forgiven in Christ ought to regularly and always give thanks for the great salvation that we have received from him. And so what I'd like to do now is just spend some time together as a church in corporate prayer. So I'll encourage you in just a moment to break into small groups, maybe brothers and sisters around you in in the close proximity, just small groups. If you'd like to just pray alone, that's okay as well. But for a time, you're going to bow in prayer and you're going to thank God for his great work of salvation in your life. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy in pardoning you of your sins. Thank God for such an offer, an amazing offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so would you just bow for a couple of minutes and pray, pray together in groups. Uh, If you'd like to pray by yourself, that's okay. If you don't believe the gospel, or or maybe this is the first time you've heard the gospel, I'd like you to just remain in a moment of silence and consider what I just shared with you, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if God so compels you to reach out and pray, similar to what Michael prayed, Lord, help me see you, help me understand the gospel that I might believe and be saved from my sins. So again, would you take a moment to pray together or pray individually, but corporately in the same room, thanking God for the great salvation that you've received in Jesus Christ. And so pray amongst yourselves, and then in a few moments, I will close us in prayer. You'll hear my voice jump in, and I'll close us in prayer, and we'll hear a few more testimonies of God's grace. All right, so why don't you pray now? Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we come to you with these prayers of gratitude and ask that they would meet your nostrils as a sweet aroma to you, God. Sweet aroma of thankfulness for your great work of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. You are holy. You are perfect. And Lord, it is clear that we are not. We all have sinned and fallen short of your perfect standard. And left in our sins, God, we are hopeless. We get worse. We're corrupt. And even though, even if we break just your law at one point, we're guilty of it all. 
need a Savior. You know that, God. And you sent your only begotten, your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, to humble Himself and become a man, and to live a perfect life, the perfect life we couldn't live. And to be obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. He suffered. Not just physically, as an innocent man who, did, who committed no crime, but He suffered spiritually on that cross in our place. He bore the wrath. The wrath that we deserve. The death, the separation that we deserve. He took that in our place. And He died. And in that great sacrifice, there is full forgiveness of our sins. And Jesus rose from the dead three days later, conquering sin and death, coming back and raising to life, giving us, as our, as our forerunner, as the first fruits, giving us the ability to be born again, to resurrect one day and to become the glorified men and women that are perfect standing in your presence. Jesus Christ has saved us. God, so we receive that with gratitude. There's nothing we can do to earn that. There's nothing, no good works that we can bring. There's no sacrifice that will please you outside of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you, God. All we can do is thank you for Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away our sins. Thank you, God. You are gracious, giving us gifts and favor that we don't deserve. You're merciful, withholding wrath that we do deserve. And you are altogether good. You are loving. And you have showed us your love through Christ, who became sin for us and died in our place. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, you can... Uh, you know, turn your seats and, and situate yourself so that you're looking forward to the front. We're going to have two more testimonies of salvation. Sorry. Two more testimonies of sanctification. <laughs> the reason I distinguish that... Oh, there my voice is. Um, we had two testimonies of salvation, and now we're going to have two testimonies of sanctification. You know, the work of Christ in us, the work of faith, doesn't stop at the moment of conversion. It's not just a one and done kind of deal. But God continues in God's grace to work in our lives and produce fruit of salvation, fruit of faith. And so we have two more testimonies about uh, God's work in these two individuals' lives after they've been saved to grow them and to uh, sanctify them, to become more like Christ and, and in one sense to be more evangelistic. And so uh, I'm excited for these two people to share with you. And uh, in God's providence, they're married. So would you welcome up Eddie and Liz Varela to share with us. Good morning, Summit Bible Church. For those of you guys who don't know me, I'm Eddie Varela. And uh, I just want to give thanks to the Lord sincerely from the bottom of my heart for Summit Bible Church, just for the work that He's done in me and through me during our time here at Summit. Um, 
I want to give him all the glory for everything that he's done. And I know that Summit Bible Church has been so instrumental in my sanctification. Summit Bible Church has been so impactful in my life, just with the relationships that I've built with other people who love the Lord. And, and you can tell that that love of the Lord is sincere. And that's just really encouraged me, everything that Summit Bible Church has been doing. Um, I really appreciate the classes that were made available from the time we started here at Summit Bible Church, like the Doctrines of Grace class, the Luke and the Acts survey, the Old Testament survey. Those were all such great classes. But the one that really impacted me the most was the evangelism class that we took last December. Now this class, it helped me realize how important evangelism is in the life of a believer. And it should be a part of our daily lives. It really lit a fire in my heart to proclaim the gospel message because I had not been a good steward of the treasure that was entrusted to me up until that point. See, I understood intellectually that we had to share the gospel, right? Everybody says it. Everybody agrees that we should share the gospel. But I never did it. I just kept it to myself. I knew the truth. I was like, hey, I'm good. I'm saved. But I would never share it. And so through this class, it really dawned on me that it's not enough to know sound doctrine. It's not enough to know the Bible and keep it to myself. See, not only should we obey God's word, we should study God's word, we should know it, and we should obey it, but we should also share it. We should share the gospel with others. We should fulfill that command we have in Matthew 28 to go and to make disciples of all nations and to teach them everything that he has commanded. And so this class helped me realize that it's not my responsibility um, to control how people react, to control how people receive the gospel message. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be a faithful servant and to go and sow seeds of the gospel message and trust in God to cause that growth in people's lives. And it really made me think of the seriousness of the gospel message. Because if we really do love our neighbors, if we love our family members, our friends, our co-workers who are unsaved, why would we withhold the gospel message from them? If we really believe that living your life apart from Christ leads to eternity in hell, why would we withhold that from the people that we love? Why would we not want them to experience the joy of our salvation that we have through that relationship with Christ? And so this class really changed my heart towards evangelism. And I prayed that God would give me the opportunities to share the gospel message with others and to give me that boldness to proclaim it without caring about how I look or how I sound or how I feel. And immediately God started granting me those opportunities. I'm like, whoa, Lord, slow down. I didn't mean right now. <laughs> I meant like later on in my maturity. But he, he started giving me these opportunities. And I didn't always respond, right? But I just kept praying. I kept just repenting that I wasn't faithful in taking those opportunities. And little by little, I started having that boldness. I stopped caring about what I thought about myself, how I looked, how I sounded. And I've had the privilege of proclaiming that gospel message to my dad, which was super important to me. Several of the family members that I love and I care about. Several of my coworkers, 
two of whom which I was actually able to give them materials to understand the scriptures better. And the Lord also orchestrated a lot of different situations where I got to talk to coworkers I don't typically talk to much. I don't get a lot of time with them. I don't know them very well. And they've been going through these sin issues where I was able to point them to Christ and point them to repentance for forgiveness of their sins. And by God's grace and His providence, all these opportunities happen in so many different ways. I started seeing doors open for me to steer those conversations to spiritual conversations. One example is I remember working overtime on a Saturday night with a coworker I typically don't work with and I didn't know very well at the time. And he asked me, hey, do you want to stay over to work some overtime, make some extra money? And I told him, well, normally I would, but no thanks. I got to go to church tomorrow and I don't want to be tired to hear the message. And so he looks at me with a confused look. He's like, are you being serious right now? And I told him, yeah, I don't want to be tired for church. I want to be energetic. I want to be able to take it in and not be so tired. And so that opened the door for me to talk about the transformation that Christ has made in my own life. Just talking about how much I need the gospel and how much the world needs the gospel. Because that's the only cure to the sickness of sin. And so he looks at me and says, I think I need the gospel. And so I asked him, do you know what the gospel is? He says, no, and I got to share the gospel message. I got to point him to Christ for the forgiveness of his sins and invite him to Summit Bible Church so that he would experience what I've experienced. And by the grace of God, he's given me the desire and the ability and the boldness to share my testimony with people about the transforming power of Christ in my life. And I've even gone out to a bunch of evangelism outings that I never would have thought I would have been a part of. See, I never thought I would have the boldness or the desire to go out and share the gospel, especially with complete strangers that I've never even met before. But through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, all these things were possible. And I'm just so thankful that the Lord has helped me to have that boldness to proclaim the gospel message. And I pray that he would continue to work in me, through me, and through every single person here at Summit Bible Church, and that we would be a church that is bold in proclaiming the gospel message to the lost, and that we would be useful instruments in his hands. Good morning. My name is Liz Varela, and I'm super nervous, so sorry, but... Um, today, I just wanted to share some of what the Lord has been doing in the past year since my family and I started attending here. Um, like the brothers and Eddie said, we're so thankful to be here. We're so thankful for the family in Christ that we've found here and the work that the Lord has been doing in us since we've, um, since we've come here. Um, when we started coming here, we attended an evangelism class that was being offered at that time. And during those weeks, I was deeply convicted about my mindset on evangelism and how I always justified my lack of sharing the gospel because it wasn't my spiritual gift or I'm an introvert, so I was like, it's just not for me. I told myself that I didn't know enough. I didn't want to mess up and say the wrong thing. And um, I realized all of my reasons were just excuses to stay in my little comfort zone and just my little bubble. 
I realize that each one of us as believers is called to be faithful, to share the gospel, and like Eddie said, the results are not up to us, but up to God. I wish I could tell you that now I'm out there sharing the gospel with everyone I meet, but I'm just not there yet. However, um, over the past year, I have prayed so much for my unsaved family members, my loved ones, and for the Lord to help me be more bold in sharing with them whenever he presents me with an opportunity. Um, one of those opportunities came unexpectedly when our family went to dinner with my parents, my brother, and his girlfriend. And as I'm sure many of us know, family members can be some of the hardest people to share God's word with just for various reasons. And we love them so much, and we want to share with them. We want them to come to Christ. And there have been so many opportunities or so many times where I pray for opportunities to share his word. And when he gives them to me, I just cower away and I choose my own comfort instead. Um, this particular day, in conversation with my parents, I saw an opportunity to share a passage from scripture. So I pulled it up on my phone and I read it out loud to them. And Eddie was sitting next to me and this moment led him to start a gospel conversation with my brother's girlfriend, Yesenia. And at the end of that dinner, she made a comment about enjoying the conversation. And my husband and I left feeling just so amazed and so encouraged by the Lord's answer to our prayers. For the next couple of weeks, the Holy Spirit kept prompting me to gift her a Bible, and I kept putting it off because, again, I didn't want to say or do the wrong thing. I didn't want to look weird, and I finally decided to just obey and do it, thinking the worst that could happen is that she'll think I'm just weird and she'll not be interested in reading it. Um, but little did I know, it was the Lord's perfect timing because she had a hunger for his word, and she's been reading it da daily since then, and by God's grace, She's even started attending Summit with us. We've had some amazing conversations and I've been so encouraged and so blessed to be able to witness the Lord working in her life. He's worked in my heart so much this past year and I give him all the glory for helping me to be obedient in this situation and for granting me the privilege to be a part of his work in her life. I'll never forget the joy that it's been to see the love for God and for his word blossoming in someone's life and I pray that we would all be encouraged not only to persevere in praying for our unsaved loved ones, but also that we would just be faithful to share whenever he gives us the opportunity. We may not always get to see the results, but we can rest assured in the fact that his word will always accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. And that's all we need to know. Thank you. So good. Again, you know, just thanking God for not only our salvation, but sanctification that grows us in a variety of ways. And you might be thinking, our responsibility of evangelism and thankfulness? How do those relate? So when you think about evangelism or our stewardship as ministers of the gospel to people, we probably most often think about our duty, right? Look, I, I have to evangelize because that's what God calls me to do. Or I have to be an ambassador for the gospel, because that's what Paul, the author of, uh, of Corinthians, uh, you know, requires of me or, or expects me to do. So when we think about evangelism or even service and ministry to other people, we most often think about our duty. Will you admit with me that that's the case? Uh, we don't really think about it as an offering of thankfulness. But you know what's cool? is that the Apostle Paul thinks about evangelism 
as a privilege, as uh, a stewardship of gratitude. And the Apostle Paul is thankful to God for the opportunity and the ability to be used in his service. And so I think a better motivation for evangelism than obligation and duty would be gratitude, thankfulness, just an appreciation, first of the salvation that we've received in Christ and the opportunity that we have to share with someone else, just as Eddie and Liz talked about. When Paul was writing to Timothy, in 1 Timothy, the letter, he writes this in verse 12. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, that is Christ Jesus our Lord, because he determined me faithful, appointing me to his service. See, when Paul thinks about ministering to other people or his service to people and sharing the gospel or you know, ministering to churches, he's grateful. He's thankful for the opportunity. And it is his gratitude for Christ who has saved him and appointed him as an apostle to the churches that motivates him to go out and proclaim the good news to others. So, I'm so thankful to have given Eddie and Liz the opportunity to share in gratitude and with thankfulness the privilege that it has been for them to grow in the area of evangelism and have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel to coworkers and family members. And I'd like us too, in this time of Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving service, to thank God for that as well. To change our perspective on evangelism or in ministry or service or outreach. To be motivated by gratitude and thankfulness. First, God has saved us. And we already have thanked God for that. He has saved us by grace. Not of our own works. Nothing we've done. It's all the grace of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. And not only has He saved us, but He has, in His grace, given us the privilege, the opportunity to serve Him and to proclaim His greatness to our friends, our family, our coworkers, and our neighbors. So I'd like to just thank God for the privilege and the opportunities we have to serve Him and to evangelize. Would you bow with me? I'm just going to pray for us related to this topic. God, in your word, through the Apostle Paul, you say, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And God, so you write that to us from Scripture, desiring that we would pray for these people, pray for their salvation, our president, our governor, our congressmen and women, our police officers, the enforcers of justice, our judges, all those in high positions that we may lead a a godly, a quiet, a peaceful life, but also and primarily for their salvation, 
that they would know you, God, through Christ, the only mediator between God and men. So we pray for these men and women. We pray for their salvation. And God, as the Apostle Paul writes, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be employed in your service. To out of our gratefulness for salvation, out of our thankfulness for what you've done for us, to be compelled with love to go out to our family members, our, our co-workers, all those who you've put in our spheres to proclaim the good news. God, we ask that you change our hearts, that we wouldn't obey out of obligation or duty or in a desire to measure up to your biblical standard, but God, that our obedience would be motivated by grace. It would be motivated by gratitude. We'd be so thankful and overwhelmed with such a a great grace that you've given us that it would compel us outward. It would compel us upward to worship and love our God who saved us and compel us outward to love our neighbor as ourselves and share the gospel. Thank you so much, God, for saving us and thank you so much for employing us in your service. May we just be faithful. Just as Eddie and Liz have said, God, we come to you again and thank you for the great work of salvation through Christ. Thank you for the testimonies of both our brothers, Josue and Michael. And we thank you for the work of salvation that you have been doing through the church, the sanctification community, growing people into the conformity of your son. Thank you, Lord, for employing us in your service and allowing us to be a part of your great mission to make disciples of all the nations. So, Lord, may we be faithful out of gratitude toward you. In Jesus' name, amen.